Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post game show. After uh, it felt like Groundhog Day for me, uh, this Winnipeg Jets team goes in, has a great first period. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Has a great first period against a juggernaut in the Colorado Avalanche, um, and then watches as the Avalanche inexorably take over that game and just dominate and i'm going to start where i i i saw my if you notice my background's a little bit different here i'm at my mom's place out in lactabani uh and uh so i saw my buddy dwight who i always talk about in this show who's the coach of the um uh the eastman triple a hockey team uh the midget hockey team who is going to this big international tournament in calgary he just told me so i mean one thing we like to do on the show is celebrate you know local hockey and and things like that and uh and hey wait a second brain i I'm not changing this because I got chirped. I've got like a very specific routine. I go from hat to hat to hat. So don't think that you're changing my mind here, Braden. I don't want you thinking that you have any control over Rennie in this situation. Anyways, back to my buddy, Dwighty, who's a phenomenal coach. And uh, we played some hockey tonight and he literally embarrassed some people on the ice. He's a good hockey player. He he stole souls tonight from people out on the ice. It was, uh, he needs to take it easy on people is what I have to say. But he had said about that Landeskog line, uh, who that there's there's just no nothing you can do but hope to contain them. You can't go out and try and go punch to punch with those guys. You can just hope to contain them. And clearly, this is another night where the Jets couldn't do that. I will say this about this Jets team: what I believe that I've learned from the Jets in the two games they've played the Colorado Avalanche, where I think the Jets came out and put their best foot forward in the at the beginning of both of those games. This is a Jets team that we started the season believing that they could compete for a Stanley Cup. Clearly, that hasn't worked out that way, the way things have gone throughout the season. I think there's still this feeling that we're waiting for the real Winnipeg Jets to stand up. But I'll say this, I'm convinced from these last couple of games we've seen them play against the Colorado Avalanche that there is the Jets are just not able to hang with a team the caliber of the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche, like I said, inexorably took over those games, uh, dominated those games. Um, and I just think that this was the Winnipeg Jets against a higher tier team. And it was simple as that. The Jets cannot hang with that team. That is what I take away from that game here tonight. Ken may have a different opinion. Uh, I love to hear his opinions. Uh, and I know that he's going to be fired up because there was some, you know, I said it last game, I threw a little bit of a, a hand grenade into the conversation about Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Pierre-Luc Dubois clearly is listening to the Kenny and Rennie show because he felt called out by Rennie and he responded in kind. Uh, so I'm I'm sure Ken Weeb is going to be feeling a little bit of, uh, he's going to be poking him back. But hey, Let's not wait to see my opinion on what he's going to do. Let's see what he's going to do. It's time to bring in Kenny, the man with the best music of the business. Here's Kenny. Kenny, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. I miss you. You've gone on holidays. You're having a great time down in the sun. I can see it on your face. You've had a little bit of color. You look great, but I miss you. And don't be surprised if at the end of the hug carpet at the Winnipeg airport when you get home, if Randy is not standing there with a boom box over his head waiting for you to get home. I feel like it's been too long. I know we're gonna. it's a road trip. They're going to come back. But I miss you, buddy. It's good to see you. Um, what did you see from the Winnipeg Jets on your end there tonight? 
I don't want to start with this comment, but I'm going to highlight it. Uh, you're just buttering me up, uh, <laughs> buttering me up for my return home. T will, T will, uh, T will. Well, I'm, I'm going to get into that. I'm I not here to. I'm not here to gloat. And Sean, Sean always is willing to wear it afterwards. It's all good. Uh, I think you touched on it. I, you know, again, we know this is pro sports, but Sean, in a lot of ways, this was like the game when your when your rec team gets bumped up from the second division to the first division, and you play a team of guys who just nice. came back from the Western Hockey League. Nice. And next thing you look up, it's it's a blowout. I mean, man, oh man, uh, that was uh, that was complete and utter domination from the final two periods from the Colorado Avalanche and. Uh, let's be honest, the score was flattering to the Jets based on what happened over those final two periods. They had a great first, I- exceptional, and then just fell off a cliff, basically. Uh, that was, that was uh, they barely had the puck. Um, uh, those top guys took over. They weren't even playing on the same line this time. The two, the, you know, the two you know, McKinnon and Landeskog absolutely took over the game. And, I mean... It, it, it's baffling that we're talking about the exact same things after almost every game, Sean. I mean, the yeah. Jets had one line going, and that's it. One line. One line had a great first period. They generated a bit, and there was still some effort as the game went on. But, uh, man, where were Shifley and, and Blake Wheeler? Where was that line today? I mean, uh, I don't know. That was a that was a tough one uh, for uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we praised them a lot when they came out of the game and were flying, and that was just a tough effort. I mean, again, it's never it's never one play, but Sean, that tripping penalty by Shifley, the Jets are in complete control of the game, a minute and six or a minute and eight into the second period, you get caught on the wrong side of the puck. We know Nathan McKinnon is a dominant player, but you can't take a penalty there. They let him right back into the game. I mean, I know some people are on Hellebuck for letting it go five wool. But look at the entire sequence. Rantanen looks off the defender, passes it down low, and then there's a clear lane. I mean, could he have poke-checked him? Maybe. But, I mean, I don't know. People trying to pin this on Hellebuck. I mean, I, I, it's just baffling to me. Was there one or two he'd like back? Of course. But this wasn't, this wasn't a goaltender letting his team down. This was the roof caving in for yeah. the Winnipeg Jets tonight. I mean, um, that, w- that was just a rough go all around. Uh, there was not enough, not enough commitment, and they just didn't get the job done. I mean, we'll continue to dig deeper, but man, oh man, that was, in a lot of ways, that that's got to be tough to watch, right? If you're if you're a member of the Winnipeg Jets, and I mean you're trying, but there was no answer whatsoever after the game went sideways. Yeah, and I have to say. Uh... The, the one thing that I, I I thought this game did was that if anyone was out there thinking, well, we took the Calgary Flames who won 10 straight games and we right. took them down to the final minute of that game, there reason for there's reason for hope here. I feel like this game, you know, if you're trying to build the case that the Winnipeg Jets are a team that contend with the very best teams in the league, right. and they're right there and they just need to turn things around, to me... This just felt like it was like, take that storyline and throw it in the trash. This was, again, two separate tiers of teams. When when you saw that at the end of the game, uh, that that those lines, those top guns on the Colorado Avalanche were absolutely having their way with the Winnipeg Jets. This, to me, is is almost. Uh, I, I mean, if you want to see what a team looks like when their record is what the Winnipeg Jets' record is, that's what it looked like. And that's the kind of different thing. This is the, the enigma of the Winnipeg Jets is that so often their the game and their capabilities have not necessarily matched their their outcome and their points in the standings. Tonight, it absolutely did. This was a team that dusted off the Winnipeg Jets, that spotted them some goals, that wasn't ready to play when they came out and just jumped on them. And then, I mean, it's it's the question I want to ask you, and we've got Scotty Billick here waiting yep. to come into the chat. So I'm going to bring him in right now. I'm going to give him the first crack at this question. Oh, Can I think I know how you feel on this? But I'm going <laughs> to give this to Scotty. First off, Scotty, it's great to see you. Feels like it's been a bit. You're looking great, my friend. Uh, <laughs> 
give, give me your take on this. Did the Jets fall apart in that game, or did the Colorado Avalanche take over? No, the Jets fell apart. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, the Avalanche took over, but it's because the Jets allowed it to happen. I mean, you play that first period nearly perfectly, right? Yeah, there were some chances, you know, for Colorado, and, and as Adam Lowry said after the game, they were going to always get some chances. I mean, that just kind of what happens. That, that's a good team. The Jets were leading three nothing, and they lost six three. It's embarrassing, is it not? Like, I mean, I, I don't know really other way to. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the other way to really put it. I mean, it, it, it's it, literally you allowed six unanswered goals. You were playing the second period like your you know, your life was on the line. And then the third period, it looked like this team was just trying not to lose worse than it did. I mean, that, that's what the game looked like to me. They had no – as soon as that third goal went in in the third period, it seems like it was deflated. And then 56 seconds into the third period, you allow the game-winning goal. I mean, it's just an absolute disaster. I, I don't think it was all – on, on, on Colorado. They played a good game, but they didn't play a good game in the first 20 minutes because the Jets figured them out. And then it's just an absolute disaster after. Kenny, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, it was just so bizarre. Uh, again, I think that those two things that you asked, Sean, are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, I think both things happened. And what good you team... You think both the Jets fell apart and the Avalanche took over? Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, this that, is not... This is, is, shouldn't it only be one or the other? No, I, I mean, here's the thing. I think that the the Avalanche willed their way to win, but they also just steamrolled their opponent on the way by. Um, that's how I saw it. Uh, the Jets just had no answer after that. I mean, they just were unable to... Uh, answer, uh, thank you, Earl, uh, Earl of the Empire State. Kind of you to say it was great. And we don't uh, have time for you to ask in the glory of these comments. Oh, we have, we, hey, yeah. Says the guy who kept me on for an hour and 45 after the last game, we don't have time to continue. That's an early wake up for you, buddy. That's a wake up. That is a flat out wake Ken, up. Get back to it. We've got a job to do here, Ken. I'm sorry. Yeah, people, like Kenny's people, in the garage now. Yeah, and for the folks who haven't been here, uh, uh, we were so fired up the other night. There, uh, I'm at my in-laws in Arizona here. Uh, it's uh, it's my father. It's it's my <laughs> father-in-law's uh, beautiful uh, Thunderbird convertible here. Uh, uh, that's what we're Price keeping in the garage. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have uh, I don't have a car like this in my garage. But uh, anyways, in terms of the Jets, they just they they. They stop doing what they do. I mean, Josh Morrissey said it perfectly at the intermission. They stop skating. I mean, yeah. they absolutely stop skating. And here's the thing. When you stop skating against some of the best players in the NHL, you are going to look extremely slow. Jets didn't win enough puck battles. They didn't win enough races. And they were too tentative. I mean, uh, I know what Mike Johnson said during the intermission. In a lot of ways, he's right. But Nathan Beaulieu has to challenge... Nathan McKinnon on that play. You, you can't just let him shoot from where he shot it. You backed up too long. Gap control was not there. And hey, don't get me wrong. The best defensemen in the NHL have trouble with Nathan McKinnon. But that was an example of a, of a guy playing the play a little bit too tentatively. And the, the puck was rolling. It also rolled up the shaft of his stick and goes in off the, off the boards. And if some people thought that that was a bad goal on Hellebuck, that also gets a big fat wake up uh, on this uh, on this program as well. So, um, I'll chill. I'll chill. Oh yeah, very nicely very done. Good. Yes, very 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 nicely done. Uh, use, no, it, Sean, use it liberally, Scott. Use it liberally. This <laughs> <laughs> is weird on my head. And again, this is this is not a. We're here to dump on Nathan Bullyu. I mean, he blocked a shot. Yeah, a and block, right? Big like, block on the Adam Lowry goal. But I mean, we were discussing this on text message. I mean. Nathan Bully had a tough start. I mean, there were two turnovers on one shift. Yeah. Um, I think that it's it, it, the pairing has not been a successful one. I think Nate Schmidt um, has been caught kind of make up for mistakes of his partner uh, at times. And there are two. I mean, we, Sean, you and I talked about this. I know some people argued that the Jets were making the choice, but no chance. The Jets were had Schmidt and Beaulieu out, and Jared Bednar continually got Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche top line with Kale McCarr out against what is the Jets' third pairing. I mean, uh, he was playing chess out there today, and that that's what that's what coaches do when you're trying to take advantage of an opponent. Uh, 
that is 27 points behind you currently after that win. I mean, uh, you talked about the, the class system, Sean. I mean, the Jets are not in the upper class. Like, I, Just think back to November when the Jets had their best start in franchise history. We were debating if the Jets were actually an elite team. We saw an elite team tonight. The Jets are not an elite team. The Jets are, are right not. now barely a bubble team right now. No, they're not even a bubble team, Kenny. I mean, uh, they've lost four straight in a time of the year where you need to be winning hockey games. Yep. That's, that's not even a bubble team. That's just a team that's going to get a high draft pick this year. That's all it is. Well, that's a hard stuff. Let, let's get into uh, Pierre. What's the tank? Right Roll the tank. Here, here, because because no, no, no. It's all over me. <laughs> and, and I want to make sure that people heard me in the last in the last time that we talked about this i was calling this out and and i still entirely stand beside this one point in six games is not good enough for pierre dubois in the last but what he came out and did tonight i think people are acting like this is and i knew this was going to happen it's funny i was i was i went to my nephew's hockey game and there was the the uh the school that they were playing against the principal and the vice principal came up to me in the stands while i was on the cjob pre-game show and I had the earphones in I was doing it while I was watching the game and they came up and said we were just listening to Kenny and Rennie on the way out here and they started getting getting after me for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois for my comments on Pierre-Luc Dubois and I was like I, I, I know you want to rip on me for this um, but I'm doing CJOB right now I was actually on the show I was doing the analysis on the show but I, I knew this was going to happen I, have you not heard of the mute button hit the mute button <laughs> Uh, uh, this, this to me, what we saw from Pierre Luc Dubois is what we should be seeing. All of the stuff that we're talking about, Pierre Luc Dubois, and I don't know how people can can argue that. Like, I don't know how people can argue that a Pierre, uh, uh, excuse me, a player of Pierre Luc Dubois' status, getting one point over six games in a stretch of hockey where the Jets need to put up their best, is okay. What we saw from Pierre Luc Dubois tonight was okay. That's exactly what we need to see from him, especially in that first period. So, listen, I'll take my pound of flesh. If people want to think that I just went out, and if people want to take my comments as me saying, Pierre-Luc Dubois is not a good hockey player and can't be a good hockey player, then feast away on that. My comments, I feel, were that I have high expectations from from Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he wasn't reaching those. I felt he reached them tonight. What did you see, Scott? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, I said this on see Joby earlier today uh funnily enough with Jim Toth but yeah I mean that's it you know he had one point coming into the game six games so but here's the thing about Pierre-Luc Dubois and and I'll even take it one step further who was the guy talking tonight you know after the game I mean it's 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 a 23 year old that probably shouldn't be out there after a game like this he's the one taking the brunt of the questions and so yes you know I thought he came out he had a heck of a game he set the tone I mean the first goal was all him it was two shots he fought for the second shot, diving to get it. Then yeah, gets, and then Kyle Connor. It was an unbelievable goal. And then the second goal too. He takes two defenders with him before kicking the puck back to Morrissey. So it creates some, you know, some misdirection, and it allows, you know, some net play. And and Yevgeny Sveshnikov gets a tip on it. That's what the Jets need. I mean, we're not seeing a lot of that from anybody else on this team. But you know, as you said, when Pierre Dubois wasn't going, it was Shifley and Wheeler were going. I mean, you can't can't suggest that, that those two are, haven't been playing well either. They have been. But, you know, as it was mentioned after the game, I think Jeff was talking about it to the players, you know, asked Dave Lowry, you know, why why doesn't this team have two lines ever going at the same time or three or four, right? I mean, this is what sets them apart from from, from a Colorado is that they just can't get the, you know, consistency on a nightly basis from more than like one or two players in terms of scoring. And, it, it yeah, it, it leads to nights like this where – yeah, you just you don't have the gas to run with the big guys like like Colorado and other teams. Ken, what, what? Well, first off, I just want you to give me your thoughts on Pierre Luc Dubois tonight, and and whether or not you believe that he watches the Kenny and Rennie show <laughs> and felt personally offended by Rennie's comments on that. Uh, and then I want to get into this because we've touched on this before. The most important thing I think that we can all agree that's going to happen this season is the Jets are going to push to try and sign Pierre Luc Dubois long term. And and I'm going to get to this question. Please, please, please. 
answer me on what you saw from Pierre-Luc Dubois tonight and then throw it back to me and I'll ask the question of what Pierre-Luc Dubois, whether or not Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to want to sign here based on the way things are going. But what did you see from Pierre-Luc Dubois tonight and is Rennie solely responsible for him responding the way that he did? I personally love that you want to take credit uh, for his uh, for his <laughs> for his excellent first period. Uh, uh, that Scotty, you should hold the mug up just in silent support right there, please. Uh, excellent work by Dubois. What I saw was very simple. It's what I saw for probably eighty percent of the games this year. You saw engagement, physical engagement. Uh, he had the puck in his stick. Uh, the almost the best play it didn't work out but he basically threw a guy aside and tried to one one-handed pass to Morrissey in the slot yeah. for a one-timer it got intercepted but uh that's what we saw from Pierre-Luc Dubois it was an excellent effort uh I like the leadership he showed I mean I know, you know there's, this is always a debate and you know probably media probably cares more than fans in a lot of areas I love that he's you know he's speaking after tough losses you know why because he wants to be part of the leadership group and that's what he's growing into i mean he's growing into that right before our very eyes uh as a 23 year old young player this guy's a core piece that's why he was uh acquired he's a foundational piece and i love that he's embracing the leadership role um the jets had too many passengers tonight that that, that is there's no other way around it uh but in terms of dubois i mean he's showing fire he's i mean my one argument, Sean, and, and again, I know you didn't like it. For the majority of those six games, he was still engaged in those games, even though he's not getting a lot of points. His, you know, Kyle Connor scored a ton of points during that stretch. So sometimes he doesn't always show up on the score sheet. That's always been the case with Dubois. And I agree he needed to produce more. And he did produce more tonight. But for the most part, he's been their most he's certainly been their most consistent center. And he's been one of their most consistent players all year. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that that stretch of games was too long in terms of point production. Uh, but in ter- I'll back it up again with what I said. His effort level was high during those games. He might have had one or two off nights. The puck just wasn't going for him. Um, so let, let's get to what people are talking about. Oh, and and I, I do think you're right there, Ken. And Sorry, I, you want me to answer I, the I, second I question that you've already asked me? About I, I'm, 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 I'm going to go to that. I just want to respond to that. Okay. The, the one thing that I will say about this, and I think that drives that, is, is like when it comes to parenting or coaching or all these kind of things uh you know where you are trying to elicit a response from from people who are under your charge i always believe that if you set high expectations for people then they they typically achieve those expectations and i guess this is just where i'm at and and i i I think most jets fans should be at this spot if you think and a lot of people clearly do because there's a really loud chorus of people who want mark shifley traded and there's and and a big impetus behind that is the fact that people think mark shifley can go and pierre luc dubois can take over as the number one center of this team that that's why people are okay with that my take on that is if Pierre-Luc Dubois is what you expect to be the, the, the future of this team, high expectations need to be attached to that player. Sure. And, and to your point, and I think you're right. And I don't, I, I think if we go back on that last, you know, when I tossed that grenade, I think that <laughs> what we're going to see in that is I, I don't think I ever said Pierre-Luc Dubois was lacking effort or lacking defensive acumen or not, you know, affecting the game. But I do think that Pierre-Luc Dubois, if you are going to hang your hat on Pierre-Luc Dubois, and it sounds like there's a lot of people out there who are ready to do it, and I think that the Winnipeg Jets franchise as a whole is getting ready to do just that, you have to have a player who not only plays great defense, not only does all the right things on the ice, not only brings those competitive juices that I think fully think that he does and he hasn't stopped all year you need that player to show up on the score sheet at the most important of times now let's get to the question and i'm gonna go to scotty first because you lipped me off about it ken so i'm gonna go to scotty <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah wake up kenny there you go kenny kenny's yeah. getting a taste of his own medicine here That's i right. love it i love every second of it this is if, the tricky part and we if and when i lip you off you'll know 
<laughs> I've heard you're, that before. You're subversive. You're subversive <laughs> um, let's go down this road because I find this a fascinating topic. We've explored it on the show before, but I do think the more this happens, the more things kind of fall apart down the road here with the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't think that we can look at the fact that they've lost three straight games in the middle of what is supposed to be a playoff push. It's four. This is nothing four. short of an absolute disaster. If yeah. you're Pierre-Luc Dubois and you only have two more years of team control, are you thinking now is the time in this offseason to choose my future and lock down with this team? This is my future. I've seen enough from the Winnipeg Jets that I want to make this a permanent thing. Scott, is the failure of the Winnipeg Jets this season affecting the potential to lock Pierre-Luc Dubois down long-term? Uh, it, it's a good question. I, I don't think so. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois sees an opportunity here to become the player that he wants to become. Um, you know, it, it, could that happen somewhere else? Maybe. But, you know, Perlitois be, can become a number one center on a hockey team. He can become, in my opinion, probably the cap next, even the next captain of this team. You know, especially Mark Scheife's not here past his contract. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that's, I, I think Perlitois sees all the opportunity in the world here and, 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 and a place to make money. So, you know, uh, here's a guy that's probably going to have to, you know, if I was Perlitois, I'd be asking for more money. If you see, if the franchise sees me as you know hanging their hat, as you say, Sean, on, on me, I better be getting paid as that guy. And mm -hmm. and if I'm that guy, I want to be getting paid more than Blake Wheeler. You know, and and, and you know you're going to be the next guy. I don't think we're at the time right now where you have to like worry about paying a guy more than Blake Wheeler anymore. It, it's time to pay a guy like that and give him. Here's a guy. Here's the thing about Pierre Dubois. Every game this season, you, you could maybe find one or two where he's had off nights. He still had 50 nights where he's been on. And, and sure, the goals may not be there or the assist or whatever, but, but name another player on this team that's been more consistent on a nightly basis in terms of effort and even and points. And you can look to Kyle Connor, sure. But, but the effort, the effort, the, the second effort, the winning the puck battles, all of those things, it stands out almost every game. He's in there. He, 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 he's pissing off other players. He's doing all of these things. That, that, that maybe two guys would normally do on this team, he has it all encapsulated into one. If you're the Winnipeg, if you're Kevin Shovel Dayoff, and if he's going to be the GM past this season, or, or if you're a new GM and you're coming in, this is the guy that you want to hang your hat. This is your cornerstone of your team going forward. Everybody who looks at well, the way that Pierre-Luc Dubois plays, that's the way that they're going to play. And that's, so that's the difference, right? Pierre-Luc Dubois can set a new culture with this team just by the way that he plays. And he gets out there and he talks. He gets up there. You know, whatever happened tonight, you know, I read Jeff Hamilton's tweet. I don't exactly know what happened. But if Pierre Lebois, at 23 years old, wanted to go out there and eat eat the questions that were coming to him and do it, that's exactly what this team, with Mark Chipman, all the way down wants. That's the player that you want in your team. And so you got to, you know, I would, you know, if I was Pierre Lebois, I'd still be playing hardball. I still think he wants to play here. It's a Canadian market. There, there, there's a huge, you know, you can become a mass player in Canada and in the league by being, you know, doing more and more of what he does. He just has to, you know, I think they have to allow him to do it. And I think they have this season. And that's why he's second on the team in, in, in points and, and second in goals and whatever else he's in. You know, it's, it, it's just, this is, a, I think, yes, I think, you know, to answer, Ron, I'm, I'm at the buffet table, as you guys like to say. <laughs> but I think it. he's Get just so, I, I think this is, this is the guy that you want. And it's the same with Connor Hellebuck, whatever. The guys that come out and actually say what they kind of feel. It's like the Paul Stasny's or whatever. The guys that are honest about it. Like Pierre Dubois was honest. He was pissed about how they played, how they lost. He's mad about how it's going on. Where was Blake Wheeler or Mark Shifley tonight? Apparently Wheeler was asked. He didn't come out. You need players right now that show that they care not only on the ice but off of it. And Pierre Dubois does that. And a team... In a season where it's sputtering out of control and you're probably not going to make the playoffs, you still want a guy to stand up and say there's hope for the future. And I think that's Pierre-Luc Dubois, hands down. It is. That's the guy for me. The deal is going to happen. It's going to get done. He wants to be here. He wants to be a foundational piece. He's already had one bad breakup in his young career, Sean. I don't think he wants yeah. to be viewed as a, or vilified as a guy who forced his way out of town 
for a second time in his young career. Uh, this is a guy who appreciates the responsibility he's been given. He leads the Jets in power play goals. He's getting closer to being that 20, 20 plus minute a game player. And again, tonight, classic. What have we always said about Pierre-Luc Dubois? The more you give him, the more responsibility, the better he plays. Well, you know you're going up against Nathan McKinnon and Nazem Kadri, two of the top players in the NHL. <laughs> Who's the best player for the Jets? Wasn't even close tonight. No. Uh, so, yes, I mean, I, I think it's a short... I mean, again, could he be frustrated by this? Of course. I mean, there wasn't a ton of success. But I, I would even argue in, in Columbus, they upset the best team and almost one of the best teams ever made. And then the next year they beat the Leafs. So, I mean, he's had some success. I mean, again, it's not three or four rounds worth. Uh, and he would be frustrated by the losing for sure. Uh, but again, I, I don't I don't see him forcing his way to a bigger market where he can sign. I think he's, again, Sean, you know this. I wrote this in my predictions for 2022. I think he, even though his production has dipped a bit, I think he is going to sign a contract that is higher than Blake Wheeler's. Uh, or, you know, if it's a shorter term, that'll be more money, total money than Josh Morrissey's 50, 50 mil. Uh, and I think he will be deserving of it. I mean, the, the big question is always going to be, is he a 60 to 65 point player or is he an 80 point player? Uh, basically, based on the chance he's being able to generate, if he gets a little higher conversion rate, he's going to be a point per game player. But right now it's 0.75. And, you know, the difference between being a $6 million player and an $8.25 million player is going from 65 to 80 plus, right? So uh, the Jets are going to have to bet on that happening. But I, I agree with a lot of what Scotty already said. This is a guy that is among the league leaders in penalties drawn. I mean, his minor penalties are a little bit too high, that's for sure. But you would much rather have to deal with the odd penalty than to have to give a guy the paddles because he's not physically or emotionally engaged in a game. Right, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up uh, because Kenny, this is something that we talked about uh, behind the scenes. Um, yep. we, we didn't we didn't have a conversation about it on the show. I kept it off the show, but because of what happened tonight, and Robert Sutton brings this up. He says, asks if we saw the, and you alluded to this earlier about how upset Morrissey was in that TSN interview. He says we simply stopped skating. So a behind the scenes thing, right. sometimes Kenny and I and Scotty and I and all of us together will have conversations or text threads where we talk about stuff kind of behind the scenes. I said this to Ken, we did, and I believe it was the Chicago game, which was Monday. It was, so yep. It was a Sportsnet game. Um, and Josh Morrissey was my first intermission guest, and I talked to him. And Josh Morrissey, for the record, is an absolutely gem of a human being he's i've said this time and time again this is a captain in waiting this guy gets it he understands all of this but that game was the game after they had just put up what five goals on on the uh national predators everything seemed to be going their way they were putting up points they'd put up points in three straight games they just knocked off um uh, Minnesota for the second straight time. It was the first intermission of that game. And we all know how things ended up with Chicago, but it was the first intermission. It was still there right in the middle of it. And I just remembered, I interviewed Josh Morrissey and he just did not seem happy in that interview. Now, I'm not saying that he, I don't expect him to show up and be like, hey, everybody, you know, that, that's not what I'm saying. It just seemed, I love this line that Ken uses all the time. I'm sure he's used it on the show. This is another one of these Kenny quotes that is just like, they, they encapsulate everything. You could put this on a t-shirt. He'll always say when things aren't going well, and, and I do think that this Jets team is subject to this. He'll always say there's not a lot of joy in joy fill. Right. And the one thing about NHL hockey teams is they're the same as senior hockey teams, as beer league hockey teams, as, you know, bantam hockey teams. Teams that are having fun are typically teams that are succeeding. Right. And sometimes you'll find teams that are, you know, in the neighborhood of succeeding, but they're not having fun. And that's a problem. And so th this brought up again by Robert Sutton, you know, the idea about Morrissey, you know, simply, you know, saying we stopped skating, just not seeming that he's overly happy in this interview. Like this to me seems like an issue with this team, the Winnipeg Jets. And 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 l listen, losing shouldn't be fun. 
But you don't get anywhere by by absolutely, you know, not enjoying yourself. And I just wonder at this stage if the lack of it, I'll use the line again, Ken, because I absolutely love it. And you know what? I shouldn't have given you credit. I should have just said I made it up myself <laughs> and ran with it. But Claude, Claude Noel no, made it up, not me <laughs> or you. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But no joy in Joyland. The only idea that there's no joy in Joyland, how big of a problem is that at this stage when we're seeing it creep into on-screen interviews in the middle of games? Yeah, I think today would be different than the other night because that was a first intermission compared to the second where the Jets were dominant in the first and absolutely got their lunch money stolen in the second. So I can understand the frustration uh, I know that we, I mean, again, Sean, we work in, in TV, so we want people to be engaged all the time. Uh, I still think that the majority of people, even the ones who are as thoughtful as Josh Morrissey, uh, would much rather just go to the locker room and decompress after the period rather than having to speak uh, during an intermission. And again, I, I understand we you, know, you pay a lot of money for the rights. You want to have those things, but um yeah, I mean, to me, it's not. I totally understand where you're coming from, and I, and I think it is important. I do think that, uh, Sean, your point is that the Jets seem to have this dark cloud over them this year. Yes, uh, and that's something that we haven't. I mean, I get, we shouldn't say we haven't seen it, but it seems to be lingering a little bit too long. Because usually, at the end of the dark cloud comes the rainbow, but the Jets' rainbow seems to be missing. Uh, I would say that that is accurate, uh, but I would say that uh, I, you know. Again, I, I don't know that it's why they're in this spiral uh, right now, but I do think it is something that, you know, again, and on the other part of it too, I mean, when a team is not meeting expectations, I don't want them to be smiling all the time. I think they right. should be pissed off about it. So, but again, you got to find that balance between enjoying the game and also getting to where you want to go. And there, you know, Montreal's a great example. And uh, Marty yeah. St. Louis has uh, a lot to do with that. I mean, he's brought a a little bit of fire uh, and he's got some players committed. And right now the Jets don't have a good enough commitment. I, I Again, Dave Lowry's not going to say it and I don't expect him to, but the Jets level of commitment for 60 minutes is not there to a high enough level. All we've heard about is urgency. You did not see urgency today. Yes, we know that the Colorado Avalanche are an elite team, but if a team is urgent, you find a way to push back at three to nothing. That That's what I see. Yeah, McKinnon was absolutely on fire. It's a franchise record for them too, by the way. Incredible. I mean, again, so we talk about Dubois. Dubois was involved. Seven shots on goal for Dubois. Uh, eight attempts, I think. I mean, McKinnon had twice as many shots on net as Dubois. And Dubois was a factor in the game. But McKinnon was an absolute uh, stallion in this game, speaking of Claude Noel's sayings. Uh, you know, it, it's impressive. But uh, the Jets do need to find a way to i'm all for focus and you know being locked in and game face and all of those things but right now it it seems like a job for the jets it doesn't seem like it's a a joy a joyous place to come to the rink Uh, we've often commented about this at practice you guys we've seen it this year there have been there have been days when it sounds like a library there have been days where the passing is not crisp the execution is not there you got you're ready for you're waiting for Connor Hellebuck to smash his stick over the gla- over the over the crossbar uh, there some days they're fired up and ready to go but uh, i would say that uh, that dark cloud that you kind of referenced uh, has been hanging over the jets for a while and until they find a way to have clear skies sailing in uh, it's going to be challenging yeah yeah you gotta like that because i i do i i do think that this is a really interesting issue and and ken brought up something that i think is really interesting is um now i i'm going to coach this by saying when the winnipeg jets went on their run in 2018 there was a i used to think that you could gauge how a team was going to come out of the gates by how they were in morning skates and there was a lot of times that the jets uh in that series against uh the the national predators were dead in the morning skates and and i do think that it would typically translate to the beginning 
beginning of those games, but they were able to find themselves those years. So I don't want to throw everything in my entire belief that, you know, the way practices go are the way that teams go. But I will say this, we've seen a lot of really successful teams over the years roll into Winnipeg and their pregame skates are, are, they're a carnival. They're having so much fun. They are out there and you can tell they're happy to be with each other and they're laughing and they're playing little tricks on each other but at the same time they're laser focused on what the coach is asking them to do in other words they're striking a really great balance between attacking the task at hand but having fun at the same time i don't think that we've seen anything under paul maurice earlier in the season or under dave lowry that comes anywhere close to that have you seen that scott maybe once or twice this year like it, it hasn't been a lot like you say right like you know, some of the best practices, or at least, you know, pre-games, well, you know, the best practices I saw it were the early, like, during that, that, that two-week kind of window where the Jets didn't play, and, you know, guys were kind of taking it seriously because they wanted, you know, to stay in shape and that sort of thing. And the other one, there's been a couple where it's like, you know, there almost seems like a competition between, like, Hellebuck and the shooters, and there's a lot of cheering after guys score goals and all that. And, you know, Hellebuck smashing a stick, but he's pissed off because he's not saving the, the shots. And it, it's a competitive, you know, it's a competitive league and teams are competitive and internally it's all competition, right? But no, I mean, there's some times that even the last time in their last homestand here where you just get to the rink and it's like, man, I should just go back to bed. Like, this is depressing, like kind of watching this, you know, and it's just like, there's nothing, there's nothing going on. Like people are, you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's a routine, right? I mean, you, you, they're almost out there because that's what they do. They have to be out there. That's how they prepare for the game. So they want to be on the ice, but there's just, there's nothing amping them up. And then, so, you, you know, this is even a bigger problem when they are only playing at half capacity or in front of 250 people, you're, you're not amping yourself up in the morning. How are you, how are you going to get amped up later in the day? Right? Like, I mean, it, it, it's already bad enough. That there's nobody in the building now that you have some in the building. Yeah. I mean, there should be some crowd energy, but you know, this is a team that struggled all year to, you know, just to manufacture their own kind of, you know, will to win, right? And and I, I don't know if that starts in practice. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you know, like you said during the Nashville series, again, different team though. But this year, I mean, a team that has struggled so mightily at times to to manufacture an atmosphere for themselves, some energy, anything like that. When when you when you're already waking up in the morning, coming to the skate, and you, and you don't have it, then I just don't know how that translates to the night. Like, how do you amp yourself up when you you, you don't even? Uh, again, I'm we're, we're kind of speculating that this is the case because we don't know what they're thinking and they haven't talked about it. But how how do you amp yourself up if you, you wake up in the morning and you don't even want to be there? And I think that's kind of you know, kind of where, um, that's kind of Incredible. where that. So Incredible. yeah. Anyways, no, I, I haven't seen enough of it. Right? I mean, I, I think. There was times, I think, when this team had an identity of being, a, what was it, staying in the fight, all that kind of stuff. Like, there was there was at least an energy about that because there was an identity for this team. This team comes to the rink, and they don't even know who they are. They don't know who they are as a team individually sometimes. Like, when you're searching for that, and then you're trying to search for a way to get pumped up for the game, I, I think that's difficult. Yeah, a quick one there. Uh, I mean, Wheeler was saying that he needs Brendan Dillon to calm down because he didn't want him killing their top scorers. Uh, he wasn't saying he shouldn't play like that. And Brendan Dillon has brought a physical edge, especially coming out of the break. That yeah. edge has been higher. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's probably not fully on brand. But uh, And one quick one. I mean, Elias Lindholm is one of the best players in the NHL. So I saw a comparison from our friend General the general uh, saying he's Dubois not in that conversation. Well, I mean, I think that it's, there would be transitioning in terms of that's how Lindholm was at 23 years old. And then he went to Calgary and started to get into the spotlight. Now he's growing into one of their best players. So I'd say there's more, they have more similarities uh, than maybe differences here, even though obviously Lindholm is playing at a higher level and producing at a higher level. Um. I've got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of here first. Okay. Uh, Tracy Evans Burr said earlier, we might all hit the farm read before the end of the show. <laughs> I'm going to say this right now. If you were stopping, if, you're, if you've got a beer in your hand and you're waiting to crack it because you think you're going to offend Scott or Kenny or myself, 
get at it. Get right at it. Ken is, is late to a wine party right now. I said, let the party start. Let's get at it. I'll be honest. I had a couple of beers in the dressing room in the hockey game I played at before this, and I'm going to go have some more when this is all said and done. So don't let us get in your way. Get at it. Get absolutely at that, everybody. Um, and then I wanted to tackle this here. T. Will, who was – Try, who was he was after me he was after me for my pld comments earlier in the show i'm gonna be a nice guy and i'm gonna let his comments back into the show even though he tried to take me down <laughs> i i'm interested in this because scotty talked about this earlier um and, and this has been a topic of conversation in the past here but where the jets are right now in their season and the obvious things that we're not seeing from them i was uh, listen, I lost a lot of faith in this Jets team after that last game they played against the Dallas Stars. Yes, they came away with a point. They actually improved their situation because they were six points out of a playoff spot rather than seven and stayed that way over the last couple of days. But I took a look at that game. I didn't think the effort was anywhere near enough. Uh, that's not what gets you to the playoffs. And I lost a lot of faith in this that Jets team there. Um, but T. Will asking here, where are our leaders after this loss? Did they sneak out of the back of the building where trench coats and a fake mustache or fake mustaches that to me is an indicting statement of how some people now let me coach this by saying as journalists we're really close to this we're requesting certain players so when certain players don't come out and there was a point last year where i think there was a lot of journalists that believed that uh blake wheeler should have come out and addressed the media after a loss and he didn't there was stuff that happened behind the scenes i don't want to like point fingers in this situation but it created something there when we notice that guys aren't stepping out and we think that guys should be stepping out, that's one thing, right? Because journalists, we have an expectation for how we do our job, how we need to tell stories. I always think that the, the journalist's level and the closeness to this makes their awareness of this situation up here where the fans should be there. That said, if fans like T. Will are making comments like this, it's clear that there's, you know, for every T. Will, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think, where are the leaders in this moment? Where are the people we want to hear these answers for? Do you guys think that the Mark Shifley's, the Blake Wheeler's, uh, you know, the Connor Hellebuck's, the, the Josh Morrissey's are stepping up and playing the role they need to be playing at a crucial time of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. Ken, I want to ask you that first. Yeah, no problem. Uh, first and foremost, I think if the room is open, it's a different story. Uh, we've seen this for years. Blake Wheeler was always standing at his, almost always standing at his locker. Uh, he was the guy who spoke first on multiple occasions yeah. and for almost pretty much every game and for many, many of the bad losses the Jets have endured. Uh, I think that going to Zoom kind of takes away part. I, I'm not. I'm not taking anyone off the hook, but I also don't. You're explaining the situation well. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So, just in terms of context, I mean, since Blake has been the captain, and even before that, he was often one of the most available players around. Um, Josh Morrissey has been at the podium an awful lot this year after bad losses. Um, I mean, Mark Shifley has taken his turn, and you know, hasn't had a ton to say about some of those losses and um this is what i would always say you know even though wheeler's been often available i think that blake is often uh the sober second thought is also helpful for blake because he runs so hot and that he kind of is always trying to keep a level demeanor after a game even though he's kind of pissed off about it um so again would today have been a good time for blake wheeler to be at a podium but sure uh, but to me, it's much more much more important the actions than the words. Though I do think, and you know, the word accountability is brought up all the time. I mean, accountability comes in different forms. I mean, I think it's much more important for Blake Wheeler to step up and play well on Sunday than it is for him to say whatever he says into a microphone in front of a reporter. Uh, part of the responsibility is speaking to reporters. I'm not taking him off the hook completely. And. Uh, yes, he was asked for. But again, when we're not on the scene, that makes it also very difficult to me as well. So, I mean, in terms of context, if we're there, um, I mean, again, yeah. so would I have liked to have heard him speak, Sean? Yes. Am I, am I ripping him for not being available? No, because, you know, in a lot of cases, Blake has earned the benefit of the doubt over the years in terms of... Um, I don't think I don't think we'd be up here saying that he's you know, shirking his responsibilities. Scotty, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm on the fence of this, and part of this is because last year is you know, I this came to a head in the press box last year. I think me and Kenny were screaming at each other. Well, I was screaming at Kenny. That was awesome. Kenny was, was trying. Awesome. I was trying to calm you down. We weren't right. Really and so my whole other. thing was, you know, this was after the. I want to say it was it was this, how how bad did they lose to the Oilers? It, I think it was Game Six of the of that seven game losing streak. Yeah. And Blake hadn't talked throughout the whole thing. And I was like, where is Blake Wheeler? Like, we asked for him. He wasn't made available to us. Um, it, it was, it, it's another situation that happened completely <laughs> that, that, that kind of went all, all the hell eventually. And, you know, it, it created some strife and whatever. And, and you know, for me, it, it was different because at that time I was covering COVID and I, you know, uh, just out of the, the sausage made, you know, we wanted Doc Brucen and we wanted, you know, the, you know, Pallister and uh, this, there's a point to all this is that you, you know you're, you're hoping that people step up to the plate leaders step up to the plate when they need to step up to the plate and and you're right Kenny I mean to, to Blake Wheeler's full credit every game he would be out there after the game unless he was injured or you know the, the odd night that he wouldn't be standing there which was very rare Blake Wheeler for years would always be out there he would answer anybody's questions after losses, he'd be pretty happy. After after wins, he'd be a little brisky, bristly with the media. That's kind of how Blake Wheeler kind of kept it even keel, I, I suppose. You know, not trying to get too high or not trying to get too low. The problem is your season's falling apart completely. It's over. Like this season, you know, what, like, the odds are probably like ninety-two percent now that the Jets don't make the playoffs. Is it Pierre-Luc Dubois and good on Pierre-Luc Dubois for saying he wanted to go and, and maybe that let Blake Wheeler off the hook or whatever, but is that, is that, isn't that where Blake Wheeler shouldn't just come out and say, no, I'm going and I'm going to say something, regardless if I'm running hot or not running hot or whatever, I'm the captain of this team and I come out and I speak to what's going on right now because it's not good. Like, you know, I mean, he doesn't owe it to the media, but does he not owe it to the fans? Like, does he not owe it to, you know, the people that, that, that he claims that he's happy that are back in the rink and all that? Like, I mean, this is the thing. Like, it, these players have paid a lot of money. One of the, probably the easiest parts of their job is to having to talk to the media for five minutes after the game. It's not that, like, I, I'm not saying it's not easy all the time, but it's not that hard either, I don't think. It's not, I just wonder, like, you know, does, does he not have some accountability to the people that pay their hard-earned money to come and watch this team? And, and, or, you know, obviously they're not doing that right now because they're on the road. But, you know, when the Jets get back here next week and play Montreal on Tuesday, don't, you know, like, is there not accountability for that? Like, I, I, that's the part that I don't understand. And part of, you know, what happened last year was because, I you know, I, I was caught up in all the politics of COVID and all that. And I just figured, why is Blake Wheeler any different than anybody else who was in a leadership position? Come out and speak when you lose. And when it's going really bad, lead. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if there should be separation of, you know, quote unquote, church and state there. But I, I just I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand why he wouldn't come out. I, I guess that's where I'm at. I don't understand why, you know, a, a leader doesn't come out when it's going bad. Um, you know, uh, th that's just where I'm at. I, I think that's that's your job. You are the captain of the team. Come out and talk. That's That's kind of where I'm at with that. But again, I understand that this is a fine line for some of these guys, and you don't want a guy to come out and just say nothing, right? Like, that, that's another part of the job that people don't see too. Is that, you know, we have game stories to fill with quotes or or clip packages for TV that you want to get a good quote or something in, right? And if you just have a guy that comes out and says nothing, whatever, you know, it, it's not good. But at the same time, when you're marred in a four-game losing streak at the most critical time of the year, you know, maybe that's where you want to come out and say something to try and whatever, you know, try and help the situation. I know that's difficult, but and maybe Blake says something, it, it's not helpful, I don't know. But, I mean, you're the face of the franchise when it comes to the C that you wear on your jersey. That's part of your job. Um, just I wanted to say this quickly. Is that Craig Zamzow was asking about this question about uh, the Whalers. Uh, is the answer to your question... Wayne Babbage. That just is the, the off the top of my head. He's talking about he a player just, who had just, you just showed the answer. I know Wayne Babbage. He just showed, he just showed the answer. <laughs> you just highlighted. Oh, did he? Mike Rogers and is, is it? the answer. Mike did Rogers. I? What is it? Oh, okay. You, you said Wayne wow. Babbage. Okay, fine. What are your thoughts, Sean? Uh, what do you um, think? We I wanted to respond to what uh, to what you guys are saying here. Right. I say it like this. I. 
Blake Wheeler doesn't know anything to the media. I do think Scott's right. He owes something to the fa- something to the fans, right? And I, I do think that that's something that's lost in this. The media, we, we don't look at this and say, these guys need to come out and they need to talk to us. We don't have this feeling there. We are trying to get use our access to tell you stories. To me, and I've always said this before, I think that the thing that players don't understand when they turn to someone in the media and they lip them off or they say something or they give them, you know, like a curse at them or something like that, what people see at home is that player turning into the camera and cursing at the camera, especially if I ask a question as a journalist and it's a question, and this is what we should be doing as journalists, we should be asking questions that the fans have. And if I ask a question... And a player turns to me and tells me to F off. And I'm a fan who has that very same question. I feel like you just told me to F off, right? That's yeah. that's what I think a lot of players don't seem to understand. So I do think, you know, when it comes down to it, there is no NHL without the fans. There's no $8 million paychecks without the fans. So I think Scott's right with that. But almost the thing that I think most here is Blake Wheeler, I think, owes it to his teammates this team is struggling they've got questions that need to be answered they are not fulfilling the expectations that were put in front of them and i don't and i think we've we've heard this before we've heard from players in the jets locker room in the past that are saying why am i sitting here and constantly having the camera in my face ask answering these questions about what is going wrong when and I, i'm gonna say it out there i know people love dustin bufflin but dustin bufflin was not a guy who ever went and was accountable in front of the media when the jets were struggling he usually wouldn't talk to the media and there were players you know players well, like once a month didn't little... matter if it, they were struggling or not buff was on a once a month once a month plan by the end exactly exactly with it with an a on his chest but in the meantime there's players who needed to carry the weight in the media while that wasn't happening and and we know Oh, guys, we know that behind the scenes, there's players that are bothered by that, or there's players that feel that that's unfair, that that's happening. And, and this is this is what I think. If you are the captain of a team, and you're right, Ken, and and let's give credit where it's due. When the dressing room was open, Blake Wheeler stood up at his locker as we walked in the room every single game. You know, maybe there was extenuating circumstance that he wasn't there but let's make sure we get this out of the way and give credit where it's due blake wheeler stood up at the end of every game and answered questions wins losses elimination from playoffs he stood up and he was there so let's make that clear that let's make that distinction clear before we do this ken i thought it was important that you brought up what's happened in this zoom world that has existed outside of this you know it's changed things the availability is smaller now so it's coming to this thing where you know people are, are, are talking in the chat room they're talking about what was he asked this and that my take on this is especially the way things are going right now is what the Winnipeg Jets, I think, personally could use as a team is their captain standing up and shielding the bullets for the rest of his team every single time, even if it's on Zoom, the way that he used to do in the room back in the old days before COVID and before this kind of stuff happened. Now, maybe there's reasons for that. We haven't had enough conversations with these players to know why that's not happening anymore. But I will say this, the Jets... Are, the more you spend your time explaining to the media why everything is going wrong, an extremely intelligent guy like Blake Wheeler, a guy who's willing to fight for his team like Blake Wheeler, and a guy who is you know willing to stand up and be a shield could be a very huge asset for that team right now. And we're not seeing it to Scott's point. We're not seeing it as much anymore. I don't know why. Uh, but I do think that you're hearing from fans. They want to hear more from the player. I think you're hearing from the media that you want to hear more from that player. And I do think that it's a potential issue. People have to, you know, that, that the team has to kind of deal with. Ken, you want to say something? Get at it. No, I mean, I, I mean, again, I have no problem with any of that. And like I said, when I, when I was trying to provide context, I wasn't saying that, you know, Blake Wheeler, you know, shouldn't speak i'm just saying to me it's more important the bigger issue for the jets isn't who's speaking and buff is a great example did did buff become any less of a fan favorite because he didn't speak to the media they didn't care they don't care no buff's the big guy bobbing with his head head bobbing dancing 
pulling don't, people. Don't you think it caused strife in the room? At times, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some people yeah. weren't happy. I mean, we had conversations about that. Uh, Here's another uh, one. I mean, let's let's bring this one up here. You know what 100%. I mean? Like in a situation like this at this stage, there's oh. very specific times we will get to talk to Kevin Dayoff. Don't you think a season like this, there's extenuating circumstances that we're, we're in a position where it's like maybe you should come out more often? Like it was a couple weeks ago that we talked to Kevin Dayoff and he gave this team its, his, his blessing and his full confidence. Well, at this stage right now, like fans want answers about their team. They want to know what they're thinking. Are we, are we all in? Are we looking like we're getting towards, you know, you know, selling? Uh, and I know that there's a game that has to be played as a GM. And I, we know that Kevin Shovel Dayoff, I've always said this about him. Kevin Shovel Dayoff, if, if he plays poker, he doesn't keep his cards close to the vest. He keeps them on the inside pocket of his vest. This guy doesn't let anything go. But at the same time, um, boy oh boy like maybe right now with this team taking heat this is where people in management are supposed to step in and try and direct the heat towards themselves i i just i I think it's a good point that's made about kevin shoveldale i think it's a good point that's made about blake wheeler there's a lot of blame to go around right now for what's happening um i just wonder who who should be shouldering it no, totally fair. And like I said, to me, the bigger issue is the fact that the Jets can't get more than the one line going at one time. I mean, do I want to hear more from leaders and players? Of course. But the bigger thing, the bigger issue for me. Sorry. Is, Sorry. No, no, we, we'll, this, but... no, this is an easy answer. And I know you can have We're it. not in the dressing room. We're not allowed in the dressing room right now. We can't get into the dressing room to find out what's going on because we're not in the dressing room right now. This is. Go on. And again, other people aren't going to, well, former Jets aren't going to bury their teammates either. I mean, that's, it's just generally, that's part of the whole hockey culture thing is that people don't want to tattle on their old teammates. But uh, exactly. that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean the search doesn't continue. Uh, no, my only point is that I think it's far more important for Blake Wheeler and specifically Mark Shifley, um, who I, I mean, I, I didn't like, I, I didn't like, the, where was the head on a swivel on the hat trick goal? Like, he, yeah. he sort of yeah. went towards the puck carrier, and then the looked over his shoulder, and then looked over his shoulder, and then wondered why Landeskog was standing there. I mean, uh, that was that was one that was the opposite of the other day, where he was in the fr- this time he's in the frame for the wrong reason, not because he was the closest guy to the puck. That that was one where you ha- I don't care what the score is, I don't care if it's one 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 nothing. If you have a three goal lead. You got a shoulder check there, right? I mean, that that that's just a play that has to be made by a high-level player who has hockey sense. Um, so anyways, those guys need to play. I mean, again, I said this to you in the first period. The biggest question about the Jets, as soon as they went up uh, 2-0, I said, okay, well, the Dubois line's obviously going tonight. Can the Shifley line get going in the same game as Dubois has? And the answer to that question for far too many nights this year has been no. And that's one of the reasons why the Jets are mired in this rut of inconsistency and un, like unsure of what is in the bag. I mean, Adam Lowry said it best. I mean, you should know what you're good at for situations when things aren't going well, which tonight in the second period was obviously one of them, and it got worse in the third instead of getting better. Um, Ken, I promise I'm going to go find my phone and I bet there's a lot of gold you sent on it there and you're wondering why I wasn't responding to it. I'm going to find it. It's, it's lost right now. But, uh, but I bet you were all over it. If I you were all over it. You were like, where's hey, I, I got good news for you. When you don't respond to me, I, I, I send notes to other people. I'm sorry to say. I mean, <laughs> you, are, you are, buddy, you're my number one, but... Uh... You know, if this is a relationship, you just told me that you were cheating on me. I, that, I'm it's not, not ride or die anymore. Um, no, hey, I'm going to shut this down right true. now because Ken's got a glass of wine in his hand and a whole bunch of people who are probably just outside of the frame. No, no, they're sleeping. Yeah, it's already. I, I got, well, you're I got on writing vacation, to do. Uh, and I want you to make sure that you fulfill that vacation so that you're ready when you come back and you see me on the hug rug. with. The, I'll be, uh, look, I look forward to that. I, I look forward to, to that. Uh, and Scotty, it was great to see you, my friend. It feels like it's been, it hasn't been that long, but it feels like it's been a while. So it's good to see you. 
guys, it's uh, I, I, I think that um, despite the fact of what's going on here, we take a look at we had almost 300 people in the room. Great people are engaged here. I, I, I like to see that just because I know that sometimes earlier on in the year, apathy can fall in when, when the Jets aren't playing at their best. And clearly they're not at the moment right now. But I love that people are in here giving us ideas on what to talk about, pushing us on our stances on certain things. T will absolutely shredding me off the top for me. Daring to question. Checking the receipts, baby. Checking the receipts. The one and six nature of Pierre-Luc Dubois before this. Um, but, uh, hey, I love it. I, I love it when people come at me. What do you got to say, Ken? Uh, I would say quickly put the merch up, and then I was yeah. going to say I'll, I'll be Are joining there? you. I'll be joining you live from the Gila I'm, I'm River ahead. Arena, Sean, yeah. on Sunday. Uh, My man. In, in what could be the final meeting between Jets 1.0 and and 2.0, at least at that arena. So yes. it's going to be strange. Well, if you take a look up on the screen there, we've got www.sportsnet.store. That's where you can go to get the Kenny and Rennie collection. And what a collection. It is three different types of shirts that we brought the prices down on. Three different colors of wake-up mugs. One you can see Scotty is using right now. They're great. Hey, listen, if you want to send a subtle message to your family <laughs> member at the breakfast table, that's the best way to do it. I think Ken passively, aggressively is doing that to Stacy in the morning now that he's got <laughs> I think that's happening. Water bottles. I know that Ken's water bottle, the handle, has now a Kenny and. Oh, muted. Oh, Sean, you're muted. Uh oh. Just straight oh. muted. Buddy, we can't hear you. T, -t, -t, -t Willie pulled the plug on Sean's uh -oh. mic. Your mic oh, got plugged. You pulled your plug <laughs> out, buddy. Oh, now you're muted. There we go. There we go. Wouldn't be a real it would it wouldn't be a real show without technical difficulties. Exactly, yeah. Buddy, unmute. Here, Here I am. Here I am. I'm back. Anyway, uh, if you want your own mug, there. Am I back? Yes. Am I back? Okay. Yes. If you want your own mug, go to the sports store. Check it out. Uh, if you want your own water bottle, if you want your own shirt. Uh, and we got more coming. Uh, we really, really appreciate the support that people have lent to us. That's awesome stuff that you've uh, that you've jumped in on that. We absolutely love it. Ken, hey, listen, I'll say this about Ken's wake up. It's a lifestyle, people. You, get, you buy one of those things, and your your life is going to turn around because you're going to wake up in life. You're going to smell new smells. You're going to see new things. Wake up in life. Ken Ken's leading the way. It's great stuff. I just want to thank everyone for joining us on a Friday night. I know that there was, if you were looking for permission for beers and you didn't get it before, now's the time to crack them and get at it. I think that's what we're all going to do here. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to see you on Sunday when we do it all over again as the Jets face a game. I mean, are they all must wins at this stage? I think so. Must win game against a team below them in the standings in the uh, in the Arizona Coyotes. Kenny's going to be there, so he's going to bring it even harder than he usually does. Uh, and I don't know, should I call out anyone on the Jets to make sure that they play good next game? Should I do that, guys, before we go? Anyway, uh, thanks so much, everybody. Um, sorry, what? One last one on the self-promotion side. Uh, I know a lot of people in the chat room are asking about trade stuff. So I, in my monthly mailbag for February, which just got posted today at sportsnet.ca, uh, I put the link in the uh, comments. Uh, I did address a lot of those uh, areas of uh, concern. Uh, check it out. Let me know what you think, and we'll uh, discuss further on Sunday. Have a great weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, we can't wait to see you again on Sunday. Have yourselves a great weekend. Hopefully this is a good way to lead into it. Uh, hey, maybe you'll still be going on Sunday afternoon when we chat with you. We'll see everybody later. Talk to you later.